Welcome to The Path and the Practice, a podcast dedicated to sharing the professional origin stories of the attorneys at Foley and Lardner LLP, a full-service law firm with over 1,000 lawyers across the U.S. and abroad. I'm your host, Alexis Robertson, Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Foley. In each episode of this podcast, you'll hear me in conversation with a different Foley attorney. You'll learn about each guest's unique background, path to law school, and path to Foley and Lardner. Essentially, you'll hear the stories you won't find on their professional bios. And of course, you'll learn a bit about their practice. Now, let's get to the episode. This episode is a special edition of The Path and the Practice because it's a little bit different from my usual format. It is not me talking with a Foley and Lardner attorney on their path to law and on their practice, but instead it is actually the audio from a session that I did for the University of Minnesota Law School back in April 2021. So why am I pulling audio that's two years old and sharing it on the podcast? It's because it's ultimately a masterclass on networking, personal branding, and social media. I spoke to these law students about all things related to growing their network, connecting with attorneys, and potentially parlaying that into jobs or maybe even down the line business. Now, I will admit this is a little bit locked in time and that it was recorded in April 2021, so you will hear some pandemic references that simply don't apply now, but the content itself is evergreen, and it is really a masterclass on professional networking and relationship building, especially as a law student. So that being said, I thought it was worth sharing, even a couple years later. Also, this episode is a bit remarkable for me in that it is my first solo cast, so you're about to hear me speak for 40 minutes. Hopefully you don't mind. As usual with this show, if there's something I say that you have questions about, feel free to find me on Foley.com, shoot me an email, I'd be happy to clarify. But overall, I hope that this information proves helpful to law students who are navigating social media and who are looking for ways to grow their professional network. Wendy, thank you so much for having me. As uh, some of you may have heard me say, I'm talking about one of my favorite topics, which is, well, so the title, as you know, is Developing Professional Relationships. But to me, what that means is networking, personal branding, and social media. This is a huge subject to cover. It's why I think it was Allison or Wendy mentioned the importance of asking questions. I may hit a number of things where you're like, God, I know that already. What I really want to know about is X. And so in order to make sure you get that answered, please feel free to ask it. I've asked Allison and Wendy to interrupt me. And we're also going to do our best to have some dedicated time for Q&A at the end. But what you'll also hear is I'm accessible. So you can also ask me questions other times as well. If for some reason you don't fully trust career services, which you should, you can feel free to contact me as well. So what specifically are we going to talk about today? All right. I was going to call this an agenda, but it's more so objectives. So we're going to get into the what is networking, what is a personal brand, and those are things that I'm sure that all of you have some concept of what that means. I'm sure many of you worked for many years before attending law school, but we're still going to talk about it. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the how, you know, where does this network building, where are these relationships built? And then I'm going to talk about LinkedIn because... LinkedIn is a platform I'm passionate about. It's also a platform that I vehemently believe law students should be taking advantage of, and most law students are not. So those are the the things that I hope to cover, and maybe everything else is a bonus, but we will see. A couple of things to note. I, I had to write this out, so I remembered to do it. Please note, I tend to conflate relationship building, networking, and branding. It's all human connection to me, which is also why... I'm director of diversity and inclusion at a large law firm. 
my fundamental interests are in how people connect. I'm looking at connection one way when I'm working on law firm DNI. I'm looking at it a different way when I'm talking about networking. Another thing is I'll touch on briefly in a few minutes is that I was a legal recruiter for a couple of years. So I used to help lawyers find jobs. To me, another outgrowth of human connection. But also the general focus of this talk is in getting you out there in the world so that you have more professional relationships and opportunities. I'm not doing a ton of nuts and bolts. And that is maybe not ideal because I'm sure many of you have very specific nuts and bolts questions about interpersonal interaction. I will hit on a few of those, particularly as it relates to email. But if you have these questions, I just want to validate them for you before we even start. Do ask them. It sounds like many of you already are using career services to answer those. But please do because this is stuff that... If you don't ask, you can go out and sort of iterate and try, but why do that if you just have people you can talk to? So just a bit of a disclaimer before we jump in. But okay, so first let's use me as an example. This is my professional brand. These are overly enlarged images from LinkedIn, so I apologize to their image quality, but this, this is me. So I went to the University of Michigan for law school. I was a litigation associate at Kirkland & Ellis for six years. For those of you who aren't familiar with Kirkland, Kirkland is the largest law firm in the world by revenue. I say that because when I was in law school, I had no idea what any law firm names were and they meant nothing to me and sounded like fraternities and sororities I have never heard of before. But after leaving Kirkland, I became a lateral attorney and I went from being a litigation attorney to being a labor and employment attorney at Seifarth Shaw, which is also one of the top law firms, also probably in the world, for labor and employment. So in terms of my brand as a practicing attorney, I had a very strong brand just in terms of market recognition within the broader legal profession. But I left practice and I guess it's closing in on six years ago. It's hard to believe. I left practice to become a legal recruiter. So I spent two years helping lawyers find jobs with law firms and with corporations. And I did not work for one particular firm. I worked for one particular law firm. I worked for a somewhat regional legal recruiting firm headquartered out of Atlanta, helping place lawyers. That's what I did. But it also really honed the things I'm going to talk to you about now. I'm naturally gregarious. I'm naturally a connector of humans, but that job had to make me learn how to break it down to help people get find employment. But then after that, I had the opportunity to become a DNI professional at Baker McKenzie. Baker McKenzie is one of the largest law firms on the planet by headcount it has 77 or 78 offices across the globe in, I think at this point, about 50 different countries. Baker McKenzie has a very different brand from a firm like a Kirkland & Ellis, but it is another huge law firm. So I jumped to essentially the management side of that firm to work on diversity and inclusion. And about a year and a half ago, I left uh, Baker McKenzie to join Foley and Lardner as director of diversity inclusion. So that generally is my professional brand. But then there's also my personal brand. And so for people who know me, maybe outside of the law or another context, they know that I am married. I have two kids. You can see a picture of my husband and kids there. I have a very old golden retriever that I got while I was in law school. So Griffin is now 14 in July, which is kind of crazy. I grew up in Wisconsin, thus the uh, picture of the state of Wisconsin. I am an avid meditator, which is very random, but this picture is actually a picture of the person that I learned meditation from. His name is Light Watkins. And I'm a super nerd about health and wellness. I'm also a certified Whole30 coach for those of you who've heard of that program. 
And I spend a lot of time at a Pilates studio, which is kind of weird because Pilates is an exercise that just, I don't think is as common, but these are things that I'm actually really, really passionate about um, outside of work and things that people who know, know me as Alexis, not the lawyer, not the director of diversity inclusion. These are things they quickly come to know about me. So why did I tell you all this? It's because ultimately we like who we know. And when I am working as director of diversity and inclusion, I'm actually trying to counteract this in a lot of ways. So when I have my DNI director hat on, I'm working on systems to neutralize implicit bias or biases we may have. I'll talk to the partners at my firm about affinity bias and confirmation bias and work on not just changing the individual hearts and minds, but putting systems in place so that we don't have to deal with a lot of this in the workplace. But the bottom line is, as humans, we like people we know a little something about. So chances are, whether it be for good or for bad, hopefully it's for good, after I told you a bit about me, and in particular, after I told you a bit about what I'm personally interested in, that you were like, oh, she's a real human. Okay, that makes sense to me. When it comes to networking and building relationships, it's almost me reverse engineering what I do at work for my day job. For networking purposes, often what I'm telling you to do is to take advantage of the fact that humans like people that they know a little something about. And so ultimately with this whole topic, the goal is to get people to know something about you. Like that's 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 the bottom line of what we're doing. It's how can I get more people to know a little something about me. And by the way, there is the whole, and for you to know a little something about them. So another big caveat is I'm not talking a lot about that side of things, just how to be a good, like nice, kind person, you know, listening and being trustworthy. Like that's, that's implied, just know that's there too, but we're going to focus on the you part. Okay. So generally speaking, what is the, you know, networking and personal branding? What all does that entail? But ultimately, yes, we're talking about building relationships. So there's a couple of things that come to mind when I think about that. I think it's fun. There are a lot of people who don't think it's fun. If you're extremely, you know, introverted, some of the things I'm going to say may be terrifying. And you have to recognize that you're going to have to cull through what I said for your version of that and what works for you. But ultimately, I think in the longer term, getting to know more people is it can actually be really enjoyable. Also, I think there can be an aspect of it. I know for me, it certainly is. It's just altruistic where I want to get to know more people so I can help people. A lot of the people in my network, particularly when we talk later about LinkedIn, they reach out to me to help and I'm happy to help them because I enjoy helping others. And of course, part of this is just so that you can get a job, right? Like that's that's really important, but it also goes beyond job to just getting opportunities. So I'm someone right now, I have a job, but because I continue to build my personal brand and build relationships, people will bring me opportunities, whether it be getting you know a profile or having an article in the American Lawyer or getting you know, quoted in something, or having the opportunity to speak to you all today, building your network and your brand can just can lead to people bringing the things to you that they know you're interested in. All right, so what is personal brand? I'm touching this very quickly, but there's how you see yourself, then there's how the world sees you. Um, for many of you as law students, you likely, you may have developed a personal brand to some extent if you worked before law school, but a lot of you are pretty much just the red box. There's how you see yourself. Right now, the legal industry, 
it doesn't really see much of you at all. And so what we want to do is fix that. We want to build this sort of turquoise box for you. And some of this can just be organic, right? So if you kind of never thought about this, like you'd eventually develop a bit of a brand. People would sort of know what you did, maybe, but chances are it wouldn't have been as intentional. So I think it's fun to put some intentionality around this and really think about what do I want to put out there in the world? What do I want people to know about me? What do I want to be known for? So then the question is, how do I do this? And so ultimately you are working to inform others, or I may just say the world, but others of your goals, your interests, your story, and whatever it is that makes you uniquely you. Yes, of course, while always wrapping it in professional judgment and tact, right? There are certain things that, you know, are not going to be relevant, but I do think as law students, it can be very easy to sort of set who you are aside and think that that doesn't matter, that people are not interested in that. They only want to know what I can now do as a lawyer or what I've done as a law student. And the bottom line is that's simply not true. And sure, you're hearing from diversity, a diversity director right now. So ultimately, you'll hear me talk about that, like bringing your whole self, your authentic self, a part that is relevant to your goals. But Within this exercise of professional or personal branding, the goal is not to sanitize it such that whatever makes you uniquely you is gone. Generally speaking, what you're going to want to do is make those unique things your superpower to differentiate you from other people. So as I jump around here, I don't think I apologize too much, but I apologize because it's such a big subject. I feel like I'm jumping to hit on a lot of things, but let's talk a bit about who you're interacting with. So this network you're trying to build, these people you're trying to get to know, who are they? It's your peers. So, you know, your your classmates in law school, your friends are a part of your network, your former colleagues, your future colleagues, and people in the industry, and just other people in general. So just a quick aside about me, I've recently developed a number of connections in the cybersecurity industry. just through LinkedIn, because I've launched a podcast for my firm, which I may talk a bit about. I, through connections on LinkedIn, got advice about a podcast and the guy who had the most info has a top cybersecurity podcast. So this isn't always just relegated to a particular industry or sphere, but that's what we're going to talk about today. And also stressing the fact that even though I I realize there's a mixed group in the audience in terms of 1L, 2L, 3L. So some of you may already have some idea of what you want to focus on. You may have certain jobs or opportunities lined up. I'm sure many of you don't. But don't forget and try not to be too short-sighted in terms of your brand building and networking efforts. And that, yes, we do need to focus on those, those first opportunities out of school. But we also have to remember that you are building your network right now with your peers. For most attorneys, when you add 10, 15, 20 years, their strongest relationships are with those that they went to law school with. So I can't stress enough that a part of this is also making sure you're taking advantage of opportunities at school to get to know one another, which can be extremely hard when you're, oh, I don't know, a law student in a pandemic. But doing what you can to get to know people is really important. I actually just recorded a podcast with a partner at my firm yesterday who said, that's a part of law school. So, you know, when the world opens back up and you're able to join, you know, your law school's baseball team or whatever else, that you should consider that to be also a part of your job as a law student and not only see that as something that, oh, I don't need to do that because I'm so focused on studying. All right. So how do you build this network? I have split this into two buckets, essentially those in-person interactions that we don't have anymore because of COVID, but we hopefully will again soon. 
or what I'm also calling direct interactions. So whether it be during interviews, info sessions, just random events you're attending, emails you're sending, which I think is a lot of what law students do to people, or phone calls that you will have. And then there's also what I'm gonna talk about social media and that's LinkedIn. But let's first talk about those in-person or direct interactions. So how are you connecting with people? Now, I know when I was in law school and many of you probably have this same, same feeling, the people I go to law school with don't really matter. <laughs> the people I've known before don't really matter. My friends don't really matter. What I want to focus on are the people, the lawyers. I want to focus on people who can either help me get a job or teach me about the industry. And that, by the way, is something to really keep in mind. I didn't stress it in the slide, but your goal is also learning. So yes, if somebody could be in a position to directly get you a job, certainly be all over that but you can expand your net by focusing on anybody who can help you learn something because what will ultimately make you a better interview and give you a better shot at getting that job when the opportunity arises is talking to people, talking to lawyers, learning what they do. It shows one, it helps you figure out what you want to do and it shows how diligent you are that, yeah, I've been in law school and oh my gosh, yeah, there's been a pandemic, but I've talked to a lot of people and I've learned that insurance regulatory work is heavily state regulated and that there's all these really interesting guidelines and you'll blow people away. So just don't forget that you are also meeting people, of course, to add them to your network, but for informational purposes. And I think that law students can forget that. So how are you reaching out to them? Generally, what there's like there's the cold email, there's the I was working with career services and I saw that you were an alumni and you went to Minnesota for law school. So do I. I'm super interested in being a labor and employment lawyer. Would you have 15 minutes to talk to me? There's that sort of email. And then there's the I'm at Alexis Robertson because she presented during this careers talk. She has already reached out. I'm not going to say it this way, but I could conceivably reach out and be like, yes, you should call my friend. He's in house at X. And I will have already primed them waiting for your email. So there's that as well. Those are usually the two ways you're going to reach out to somebody. And then at some point, if this goes well, and no, I'm not done with email yet. I have another slide about email. But if this goes well, hopefully you get on the phone with, with a person. I mean, hopefully you meet them in person. But right now, let's talk about phone and video. And I don't, I won't have the time during this discussion to get really deep into to some of the logistics of that. But I will just note that you can practice. So whether it be your, you get a, you know, an alum of Minnesota, they work at the firm you would love to work for, and you have 15 minutes to talk with them, just know that you can literally talk out loud to yourself the questions you have, if that is something you are uncomfortable doing. If you're going to be in video doing Zoom, you can get into Zoom or whatever other um, video platform. Turn it on and see yourself talk. This is like also a huge tip for interviewing, by the way. So I just want to note, you can practice those things. But also when it comes to this um, outreach, particularly the cold email outreach, volume matters. And I'm sure you've heard this from your um, career service, like them nodding their head. But what I think law students can do, like it feels weird. Like, I don't know these people. I'm just going to email them. And you'll send one email and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't hear back from that. And it's because you don't know what a lawyer's inbox looks like. They saw your email. They were like, oh, that's so nice. Nick emailed me. And then 17 other emails came in and they forgot and they will email you back in two weeks. Or they might not email you back at all. And now you've taken it very personally. That means there's something wrong with your email when really it had nothing to do with you. So if this is a volume game, particularly when you're trying to get direct communications with someone you have not met before. But a couple of notes on emailing lawyers, things you've likely heard before, but allow me to stress them. 
these are really short emails you're sending. I've gotten the email from a law student that is this long. And I don't, I get paralysis. I certainly can't read the whole thing. Not to sound mean, it's because I don't want to. I have no idea what you're saying in this. And if I'm going to connect with you, these are probably all things you could just tell me when we talk. So your emails are like three to five sentences max that they can be gleaned. And the titles are clear. Minnesota alum, you know, availability. I don't even know, but just something that from the subject matter, they know you're a law student who's reaching out and consider the venue. I already said this, the inbox is a busy place. This is why I'm going to talk about LinkedIn. If you get me on LinkedIn, you actually have more attention from me than in my inbox. Just something to, to keep in mind. I have had law students who have had very specific availability and they're reaching out to me, but they're telling me they're available at these like really specific times. i once again, not to be, I don't care. Like I will, I will tell you when I'm available and if that works for you. And I will work around the schedule once we've established a connection. But when we don't know each other, for you to give me like 1,000 words and tell me that you are only available a Tuesday at 4 p.m., I'm not that into this, this exchange anymore, just so you know. And ultimately be mindful of the ask. I think asking an attorney if they're available for a 15-minute phone call, that does not most people can find 15 minutes. In the before times, I was frequently asked to lunch. Believe it or not, lunch is a big ask of my time because it's at least 45 minutes or an hour together. I have to get to lunch. I have to get back to lunch. I have, it's at least 90 minutes. And it's not to say I'll never do lunch, but just be aware that what you're asking, even if you're like, I'll buy you lunch. Because by the way, particularly if you're focused on large law firms, these lawyers don't need anybody to buy them lunch. So I know it sounds nice <laughs> that you're offering, but if you, even if you do entice them to come out to lunch, I can almost guarantee that they'll be the ones buying lunch for you. But also stress any commonalities. As I said, people like people they sort of know. We went to the same law school. Oh, I also grew up in Milwaukee. Or even if you have nothing in common with them, that I've always wanted to, I'd, I'd love to learn more about your M&A practice, your mergers and acquisitions practice. People do like sharing about themselves. And at this point, by the way, you are not asking about jobs. This is back to the information and the learning. This is, it would be fantastic if I could get 15 minutes of your time to learn about your practice. Done. There's nothing, they're either going to say yes, they're either going to say no. When they meet you, they're going to ask about you and you will get to tell them, I'm a 1L law student. I think I want to do M&A. They will tell you about it. And then you'll also say, oh, and I'm still, I'm actually still looking for opportunities. If you want to close that out by saying, are there any at your firm? You could, but frankly, they know you're looking for opportunities. And if they liked you, they might say, and I say they didn't, but if they really, really liked you, they'd be saying, oh, that's interesting. You should send me your resume. And they, or they might be like, oh, good luck with that. And you'd say, thank you so much for your time. If you don't mind, I'll keep you updated as I'm on my search. And they'd be like, oh, that'd be great. Or they might even say, keep me updated. But generally speaking, you are not sent your first email to someone you've never met before is not you asking them for something because you're already asking them for something in terms of them giving you their time. Um, and a lot of the other stuff is implied. And then I do have a nice, you know, parenthetical here saying it may be best to get to know the lawyer on LinkedIn and we'll get to that too. All right. So I have to touch on LinkedIn because I think this is a landscape that many law students are getting savvy and are using, but I think many are not. And social media it ampl can amplify your brand and help you scale your relationship building. And that's why we're going to talk about LinkedIn because it's the only platform that matters for lawyers. You can feel free to ask me about others. 
fun stuff going on on TikTok. My firm, Foley and Lardner, a TikTok famous partner. Um, so if anybody's on TikTok and follows the Korean vegan, she is at my firm. But if you do follow her, you know her content isn't a lot of love, but it's a little bit love. But anyway, we're going to talk about LinkedIn because that is where you need to be. I have run into law students and lawyers who tell me, oh, but I don't do social media. And to that, I say, you're going to make an exception for LinkedIn. Yes, you are, because this is not Facebook. This is not Instagram. This is a place for you to build, to track, and to see the depth of your professional network. And unless you still have a Rolodex, like it's 1986, and are collecting business cards, and going to check the Rolodex, and periodically send emails to everyone you've ever met, you need to be on LinkedIn. So overall, I think of LinkedIn as a place to supercharge your networking efforts, and it's available to you right now. You can work on getting to know people in the legal industry without having to go to career services and get a list of alums, without having to troll websites and look for practice areas. You can do a lot. You can just do a lot of this on LinkedIn. I'm going to go through some very quick basics about LinkedIn that I think all of you probably already know. But of course, you have a photo. It doesn't have to be a professional photo, but it's just it's just your head. Ideally, you're not cropping your friends' heads out of it. It's just your head. Fill out your experience. And as and it's it's okay that you have no legal experience yet. Fill out what you have done. I actually love seeing law students or someone who just became an attorney who just got their first job and they are like, I've worked at Applebee's and now I work at this law firm. Because that is real. You are human. And in the podcast that I alluded to, a lot of the lawyers at my firm, so the podcast is me in conversation with lawyers from my firm, they will talk about what they learned as in food service. And how valuable that has been to their legal career. So please do not discount anything you have done up till now. Put it on there. It doesn't have to be all the detail, right? Um, And if you've worked at like 87 places, no, you don't have to put all of them. But, you know, whatever you've done, put something. And if you haven't done anything and are like me and you're someone who functionally went straight through, it's undergrad and then it's your law school. And maybe in your about section, you say, you know, I'm, I'm a law student with interest in X. And then the other thing is you can customize your URL. I don't have time to get into how you could Google that if you want to know how, but you can change it so that like my LinkedIn URL, it's like linkedin.com slash Alexis Robertson. It's not linkedin.com slash 47 numbers and characters. And also I would say to consider setting your profile to private. And I say that because some people are reticent to use LinkedIn because they're like, but oh my gosh, people see that I'm looking at their profile. Well, if you set it to private, they won't see it. And yes, if it's a free membership, you lose some perks of seeing who's looked at your profile. But if you're doing what I hope you're doing and looking up everyone, to me, that is a fine, that's a fair trade. Also, I would not worry about individuals seeing that a law student looked at their profile. So otherwise, leave it as is and get over the fact that people might see it. Also, a quick word on just using LinkedIn that people don't realize. So LinkedIn learns you. It learns what you're interested in. So if you engage with LinkedIn, if you say comment on something I wrote or like that, you see another lawyer, you like that, you follow the American lawyer and a couple other legal industry things, LinkedIn will start picking up what you're into and it'll start curating and bringing you more of that which will actually allow you to potentially build relationships beyond the scope of anything you were contemplating. And that you might've been like, I just want to get to know people at this one large law firm in Minnesota. So I'm going to look up their lawyers. I'm going to see if they're active on the platform. For some of them that for whatever reason, their profile picture looks approachable. I'm going to send them a connection request that says, 
I'm a law student at you know Minnesota and would, would like to connect. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you just click follow so you can see what they do. Like I could do a whole workshop on LinkedIn. I won't do that. But if you spend a little bit of time on the platform, what you'll see is you can click in someone's profile and just look at their activity. So you can just see if the person's even active on the platform. And if, you know, and if their stuff is not, you can see they just haven't been on, then maybe that's not someone you want to spend a lot of time with, but ultimately you can make the platform work for you. So quick basics on LinkedIn, LinkedIn captures your connections. So at the very least connect with your peers in, in law school, that's one of those set it and forget it. It will matter to you in like five years that you did that. But also the algorithm itself does tend to work better once you have 500 connections, which I know to me, if you said that to me as a law student, I'd be like, I don't know, 500 people. And you really might not. You might start with 60, 70, 89, 102. But once you put some years behind this, those number of connections will, will get up there. And that is helpful. I know to connect with people that you mostly know. I'm at the point where I do frequently connect with people that I do not know because they are in the industry. We have not met in person, but the platform gives me the opportunity to engage with them and actually build a relationship with them, even though I have not met them. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about the direct and in-person interaction you're going to have with lawyers via email. Something I would recommend that you consider doing, and I say this gingerly because there are those of you who this is going to utterly freak out, but consider creating a little bit of your own content. And even if you only have 40 connections, right? You might've come in, you might've worked for five years and you already have 2000 connections. Great. But if you create content on the platform, that also is another way for people to get to know you. A lot of people, particularly law students, but actually lawyers who practice a really long time will say this to me, but Alexis, there's nothing I can write about. I have nothing I could possibly post about. And to that, I will say that is not true. There's a lot that you could. And so a couple of things to consider are event attendance. Yeah, I write the word self-promotion, even though I think a lot of people find that whole humble brag thing icky, but I've but I have seen... And this is getting a little controversial. There are now more people just posting in general, I got into law school. There's people posting, I got X summer job. And I know to people who are still looking, that probably drives you crazy. But it is a way for people to just let the world know what they're up to, what they're doing. If you've gotten on to a journal, if you are very active in a particular organization, I think it actually can be, be nice. And there's a way to write those things without it sounding like, dear world, I'm awesome. Be jealous of me. That doesn't have to be how it's written. But also event attendance, even virtual event attendance. I don't know that anybody's going to do this, but I will give you an example. So I do this quite a bit with virtual events. Um, I saw this fantastic law professor out of, he's one of the University of California schools. He's a great professor on unconscious bias. Amazing presentation. So this was probably six months ago. I had a post that was like, just saw Professor Jerry Kang speak. He was amazing. He gave these six tips that people should keep in mind. As a law student, if you were so inclined and somewhat comfortable on the platform, you could say, you know, the University of Minnesota Career Services, you know, not to be self too self-aggrandizing, just gave a presentation on, you know, relationships or building relationships. Thank you to tag Alexis Robertson for, for the advice. I have a large network, so people would see that you tagged me. Once again, we might be getting to like the AP class here, but just to show you really can, like if you have a judge come speak or a program that's put on, if you are reading something. So another thing that I'll, I'll frequently do actually is share content from Harvard Business Review. Anybody can do that. 
Harvard Business Review's articles are actually usually very easy to read and very well written and rather short. And it'll be something interesting about, maybe it's about Zoom fatigue and say, according to a recent Harvard Business Review article, Zoom fatigue accounts for X, Y, Z. But instead of just posting it and writing interesting exclamation point, I will pull out what the top three things were that Harvard Business Review said. Once again, I'm not humble bragging. It's not anything personal about me, but I will tell you if I saw a law student posting content like that, the fact that you even took seven minutes to read something that wasn't uh, assigned and then you post it to help. I'm just like, I'm blown away by this person, but we know that in real life you took seven minutes. So there is this aspect of getting credit for what you're doing already and just magnifying it a bit. And I've realized that can be scary. What if I have typos? By the way, you will, I have, you do. No, you are going to be iterating. Your voice will change. What you're interested in sharing with people will change. And that is okay. So, and the other thing I I noted was just congratulating others. You know, something great may happen with a peer, with a professor that you've had. You know, a professor just got awarded the XYZ that's a great place to put it. So ultimately, you're walking into a public square, you're talking about something, but you're doing it because it it shows people what you find interesting. Hopefully there's a bit of a public service aspect because one thing, we all know this, there's so much content in the world right now. If you're willing to aggregate that, highlight something and summarize that for somebody, that's actually valuable. So even as a law student, I can easily see somebody developing a little bit of a reputation for sharing some of the latest sort of industry news out of whatever industry you're interested in. And it would show that you're learning and you're highlighting the things that you find to just be interesting. So those are just some things to keep in mind, you know, stick your toe in the pond of content creation if you're up for it. But if not, you know, the power of liking someone else's comment and writing something thoughtful, that is really powerful. So back to what I said earlier about this, allowing you to scale your interactions and back to that phone call you had with that lawyer who you said you were going to keep, um, Post it on your career. So something you can also do is say, I definitely will keep you posted. And if you don't mind, can we connect on LinkedIn? And they'll be like, sure. And if you occasionally post about your life and they occasionally check LinkedIn, they might've seen something about you twice in one year, but guess that what that's two times more than they would have thought about you otherwise. And it's really, you'd be surprised by how putting longevity behind that just sort of infrequent touch point you know, you may run into them five years from now. Like you might talk to attorneys who in terms of practice are only five, six years ahead of you or less who ultimately will end up being your colleagues and your peers. And they may run into you at an event because hopefully we get to go to those at some point again and say, you know, say, Nick, I've been following your path on LinkedIn. It's so cool that you now work for such and such. And actually I had a question about X, Y, Z. So like, I just can't stress enough how you can really develop that quick touch point with somebody by using social media. I've had that happen a number of times where I've met someone for five minutes and because I'm, I'm, I'm active when the next time they see me two years later, they're happy to see me because they know something about me. And I was able to continue developing my professional brand with them beyond that five minute interaction. And also I will say a lot of in-house lawyers are on LinkedIn. I would say even more than the ones at the law firms can't so much speak for government lawyers. They're probably less so, but even general counsels, there's a number of general counsels that are very active. I'm not saying you should instantly search for them, but I will say if you find them, and you leave thoughtful comments, many of them love mentoring law students. 
And if after leaving five or six thoughtful comments, you know, three months later, you shoot some of these individuals a message, they might be really delighted to have a phone call with you and let you connect with their network. And so, I mean, these are things that are powerful that honestly, I don't even know that I could put a monetary amount on. And also going back to what I said, it looks different in that platform than when you're in my inbox. So when you message me on LinkedIn, the type of attention you're getting from me is different from when it's you followed by a dozen other work demands. But of course, one caveat of this is, and sorry, I shouldn't have put the warning slide up. We'll go back to that. One caveat of this is, is that not everybody's super active on LinkedIn. So yeah, you are narrowing the pipeline. But ultimately, when you have this whole world of, you know, who should I talk to for you to get even that group of individuals who are active, that still can be very powerful. But of course, the obligatory warning, and you know this, I don't have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do not post anything to social media that you wouldn't want to see on the cover of New York Times, the New York Times, or as we tell lawyers, don't post anything you wouldn't want to be asked about in a deposition. And this applies to all of your platforms, every single one of them, all of them. And I don't care if they're private. And I'm pausing there to let that land. I don't care if your Instagram is only your friends. I don't care if your Facebook is only your friends. Do not post anything on there you would not want the entire world to see. We've all seen examples of this. I'm not going to talk about cancel culture, but just for your own peace of mind and professional development, while you will likely have a different voice on different platforms... If somebody from somewhere saw, so for me, if you find me on Instagram, all you're going to hear see is like fitness and my home renovation. And now all of you are probably going to go rush to see that, but there's nothing on my Instagram account that if it was put in from the CEO of my law firm, I would have a problem with. So just making that super, super clear. Okay. Also a few quick thoughts before we have a few minutes for Q&A. I think you should be using LinkedIn more than you should be using law firm websites. I've seen law students who are like trolling the website and yeah, the bios may or may not be up to date. Yeah, the policies, but I'm someone who helps maintain a law firm website. They are not always that up to date. And I've seen law students trying to read tea leaves of what one firm is like over another just through web and good luck to you. Yes, you will learn the basics about us. But if you want to know even more about an individual, also go to their LinkedIn. You can see their professional arc. You can see that they joined their firm four years ago after being a federal prosecutor at XYZ. It shows that you are are diligent. And no, not everyone's going to be that up to date. But also the law firms, if there's firms you're interested in, there's organizations you're interested in, they almost all have LinkedIn accounts. Follow that account because they will be posting thought pieces by their attorneys And by you reading what's like the latest from them, if you do get the opportunity to interview with that firm or to engage with an attorney, the fact that you can say, oh, I've seen some really interesting um, articles come out from your sports law group. And actually, I think it, I think it was Josh Smith. I can't remember, but he was recently writing about developments. And, and honestly, you might sound a bit smarter than the lawyer you're talking. They might be like, he did. I had no idea. But even if they can't fully engage with you in that conversation, the fact that you can say that, the fact that you've been following developments at that firm, once again, it goes back to how serious you are about your career, how diligent you are. And those are indicators that you're going to be a good lawyer. So take advantage of LinkedIn to learn about firms, take advantage of it to build your brand, to learn about the industry and to connect and build relationships. 
And yes, LinkedIn also happens to be the same platform that you will look to when you are looking for a job. In general, I will tell you job search skills on LinkedIn are actually a bit different. There's definitely some overlap, but note, I've not gone into how to like mine all your connections for jobs or but but really using it as a networking tool for me it's something that I I keep open much of the day there's very few articles you can send me about diversity and inclusion in the legal industry that I have not already received because somebody on LinkedIn has already shared it or or I follow ALM media and they've already shared it and so it keeps me current just even the day-to-day nuts and bolts of my profession so we're going to leave some time for questions But before we get to that, I do just want to thank you so much for your time and attention. I talk really fast. I have a lot to say, a lot of opinions, and I would encourage you to LinkedIn with me. And also, this is the part that makes you feel super salesy. Check out the podcast I mentioned. It's called The Path and the Practice. And so each episode is me in conversation with a different Foley attorney. I don't get paid per download, even though I always feel like a salesman when I highlight the show, (laughs) but it is just jam-packed with useful advice for law students and for new lawyers. So check that out as well. And now I will pause. I will take a breath. So Allison or Wendy, let me know what else we should talk about. All right. Thanks, Alexis. I was furiously writing notes during this. So thank you for all that information. Um, I'm going to start with a great question from Zach. And you talked a little bit about how to do this on LinkedIn, but bigger picture, the question is, how do we maintain connections over time? So specifically, how have you maintained relationships that you've cultivated over time in an appropriate way? What does that look like? So I did talk quite a bit about that on LinkedIn. I still think LinkedIn is one of your greatest resources for that. But there's a couple things. So one, you can just be very methodical. I mean, there are people who will religiously, whether it be in a literal spreadsheet or through their own calendar. So if you meet, you talk to somebody and you're like, oh yeah, let's turn a few months how this is going, put that in your calendar. Like put it in your calendar that in June, you are reaching out to let them know how it's going, kind of a set it and forget it sort of thing. But I do think it can be very, very difficult, particularly once you start just having a lot of professional connections to have, you know, this methodology where I'm going to have one touch point each year with the 200 top individuals in my network. Don't get me wrong though. Something I didn't say that these same skills, these are the skills that you have to have as a rainmaker partner at a law firm. All of these like job search, networking, business development, it's going to be called business development, but it's the same skill. And so at that level, someone actually may go so far as to, and, and, and it can look like their holiday card, frankly, like the people on their holiday card list are the ones that will be getting, they'll be hearing from them. But I do think as a law student in the shorter term, relying on your calendar, or if there's people that you've met and there's chances are that there's going to be, I don't know, let's call five people you meet in a given year where you're like, yeah, they couldn't help me now, but I, that's someone who's going to be good to keep in touch with. Note that somewhere. I'm not sure what's best for you, whether it be an Excel spreadsheet, whether it be a journal, whether it be in your calendar, but also get to know what that person is interested in because the touch points may be, and this might sound so strange, but it might be following up to say, oh, did you see this, this Minnesota alumni event with your firm? Are you going to be there? Um, once you're farther into your practice, it, what these can look like is also sending recent developments. So for, for you all, it may not so much be that you're going to update them on their practice, but you might learn someone is an avid fan of whatever sports team. And your update or touch point might be 40, like, like five minutes ago, you saw on Twitter that so-and-so left, whatever. And you're like, 
Hey, Bob, I know we haven't talked. I just saw that this happened. I don't know if you have any thoughts on them getting, I don't, I'm not into sports. Any thoughts on so-and-so being traded to the such-and-such? Like, I don't know. This is, you have to be tactful. You're not emailing Bob every day with this. But, you know, if it was every two or three months, like a, a quick, you know, exchange about some interest this person has or joint passion you have, that's another way to do it. And that'll keep that person top of mind because you know they're following that team. Sorry, it's a, that's a lot I said, I know. No, that's that's great. And it's so true. If anybody ever emails me about the Kentucky Wildcats, they're top of, top of my list to respond to. No mean comments from any other fans around here. So we have another great question that just came in through the Q&A, which is how do you keep connections with people at a former job, particularly if, so for students, this student says, I met with an attorney about a summer job, but ended up accepting a different job. And they feel like that connection could be awkward. What advice do you have about that? So it doesn't have to be awkward. Just accept the fact that you are now navigating your career and you are likely going to meet a number of people in some sort of way like that, right? Just to be very, like, for those of you who do on-campus interviewing, I'm not saying to connect on LinkedIn with literally everyone you met, but there could be some people that you're like, it doesn't work out, but I'd love to stay in contact with them. So first I would just dispense with the awkwardness. It is not awkward. People take different jobs all the time. And it's maybe too late now, but what you can even say, and you probably said, I'd love to stay in touch. So if you haven't connected with them on LinkedIn, do that. I don't know. Time does matter. You never want someone to feel like you're just constantly peppering them, but you may want to reach out with them to them again. And if you haven't said it already, you might have sincerely thank them again and say, you know, I've had some time to reflect on it. I just really wanted to thank you again for all of your time. I hope we can stay in touch. And if they're already a practicing lawyer, you can you can ask them if they'd be open to you asking them questions as you navigate this. And, and once again, it can't be in the like, I need you to give me something, but more in that, and I can't stress this enough, people generally like law students. Like they, they just do. People are like, oh my God, you're a law student. I'll help you with whatever you want. And if that's the vibe you've gotten from them, take advantage of that. And you can actually develop a bit of a mentoring relationship. I don't know that I would go so far and say, will you be my mentor? Because that people, like, what does that really mean? So there is this level of feeling it out. So without knowing the dynamics, it's hard for me to advise you, but you absolutely can stay in touch, should stay in touch. I've hit LinkedIn a million times. That's a great way to do it. But periodically just reaching out and starting that by saying, by thanking them for their time and, you know, asking if it'd be okay if you, you know, reached out in the future as you encountered, you know, questions about your career. Yeah. And be tactful though, because it, it's hard though in that they'd be like, well, I told you to come here, but I don't think that's how most people will respond. <laughs> See, I, I'm going to chime in too. I, I know we're coming to the end of our time, but I wanted to ask one question on behalf of, a lot of students who have been meeting with me recently who have shared, like, they know that networking is important and they recognize the value that it will bring. But there's there's still this feeling of not being ready or feeling more introverted or, you know, frankly, too new to the legal industry. So could you close us out with some advice to help people take that leap? So overall, you are going to have to embrace your discomfort. You're just going to have to be uncomfortable. If you wait until you are comfortable, you'll never be comfortable. I have this same exact talk with lawyers who've been practicing for a decade, right? People that you would be like, they have plenty of stand. They're like, I'm just... Un-. So it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. And so while being mindful of that and compassionate to your discomfort, you just figure out the smallest way to start, whether that is 
like we said, the emails, maybe it's, I'm going to update my LinkedIn profile, or I'm going to create a LinkedIn profile. You have to figure out your entry point, but there also is, and I don't have time for this, but I'm just going to touch on it. There also is this level of trusting in yourself and knowing that you are going to be okay. So you want to have compassion with yourself, but trust yourself. You are valuable as a human being. You bring a perspective that nobody has ever brought before. Believe it or not, there's nobody who's had the unique combination of experiences that you have had, and that is valuable. And you're going to have to trust in that, and that's going to take some time. But nobody will discount anything about your experience. And if they do, there's something very wrong with them, and you should be deeply sympathetic to them. They have something going on. But I also think looking for even like direct, I'm going to call it mentors within whether it be social media or the broader job search. So if you're a 1L, ask a 3L what they did. That might give you some confidence. If there's people, if you've seen law students post something on LinkedIn that you're like, that, that lands. I think I could do something similar. But ultimately, this is coming down to a self-confidence thing, which will is is would take me longer to unpack, but just know that's that's what this is. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alexa. Thank you for listening to The Path and the Practice. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and join us again next time. And if you did enjoy it, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review as your feedback on the podcast is important to us. Also, please note that this podcast may be considered attorney advertising and is made available by Foley and Lardner LLP for informational purposes only. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship. Any opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the views of Foley and Lardner, LLP, its partners, or its clients. Additionally, this podcast is not meant to convey the firm's legal position on behalf of any client, nor is it intended to convey specific legal advice.